Welcome to the Marion Message presented by the Mosaic of Marion podcast. Each week we'll hear God's Word explored by Dr. Henry M. Meadows Jr. as he preaches from the pulpit of Marion Baptist Church in Chatham, Virginia. We pray that this message will be a blessing and further your walk with God. Let's join him now. Thanks for tuning in to this week's Marion Message. Today we have a special guest, Bruce Crowderfield, who has filled in for Pastor Hank, and he is speaking on the risks of a shallow faith. And so I hope you enjoy, and thanks for listening. Open your Bibles to Psalm chapter 1. Open your Bibles to Psalm chapter 1. You know, last week, uh, Drew Meadows preached, and, and Tanya and I went to uh, Frank's after church for lunch, and Drew and Mallory and some of his friends were there, and I told him, I, I thanked him, I said, Drew, thank you, because you... You set me up for next week, for today. And, I, and, and the way he did that was he referenced Psalm chapter 1. And I want to start there. Pick up your reading, verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. I really enjoy that word picture of a tree planted by streams of water that does not wither. And in its season, it produces its fruit. I have this mental picture of a tree deeply rooted, drinking up the nourishment from the ground. But it also provides me a a remembrance of a contrast that Jesus taught when He was teaching of of the seed that was planted on the on different kinds of ground. He said this, as for those or as for what was sown on rocky ground. This is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself. But he endures for a while. But when tribulation and persecution arises on account of the Word, he immediately falls away. Here we have this word picture of shallow roots that have no endurance. And when persecution or tribulation comes, that person withers away. He falls away. The Apostle Paul, when he wrote to the church in Corinth, he dealt with this lack of rootedness, this shallowness of faith. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he writes this, he says, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people. You see, they were shallow in their spirituality. But as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. He said, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. 
And even now, you're not ready. But you are still in the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? Much of the letter that Paul wrote, was his second letter to Corinth, we call it 1 Corinthians, we don't have his first letter. But much of that letter is all about dealing with the shallowness, the superficialness of their faith. That's what I'd like to focus on today. I want to focus on the dangers, the risks of a shallow faith. In fact, I want to share three of those with you today. If you're taking notes, I've got three major points. Three risks of having a shallow faith. The first one is this. If we have a shallow faith, we are vulnerable to false teaching. Turn your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. This is the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy, his protege. Timothy, one of the young men that Paul had raised up to be a pastor. And Timothy is in Ephesus, actually, at this point. He's pastoring a church. And the Apostle Paul is writing to him to give him instruction and encouragement and exhortation, but also warning. And in, in, the, in the vein of warning, the Apostle Paul writes this. He says, "...for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching." Can you imagine? There's a time coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth. And they will wander off into myths. Jesus, Matthew 24, said, and then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and they will lead many astray. The same preacher. <laughs> but we're of a church. We're of a denomination. We don't tolerate false teaching. Hold up a minute. Hold up. A couple of weeks ago, we were during Wednesday night. We were, Hank was teaching, and he brought this to my attention. I wasn't aware of this, and I was really taken aback because Andy Stanley, the son of Charles Stanley, who has really been one of my heroes in the faith. You, we all know who Charles Stanley is. When I was in seminary and taking preaching classes, fancy word is homiletics classes, right? Big fancy seminary word, taking homily, I would watch Charles Stanley and try to mimic his preaching style because I so respected his delivery. But his son, Andy Stanley, who is a graduate of Dallas Theological Seminary, oh, have you lost me? I'm back. We're back. Andy Stanley, who's a graduate of Dallas Theological Seminary, in the last five years, he's made some very worrisome statements. He said this. 
He said, you, speaking to Christians, he said, you should unhook your plow from the Old Testament. What? I don't understand that. Jesus referred to the Jesus, the man who rose from the dead, and by rising from the dead, proved who he was, proved his claim that he was the Son of God. The man who rose from the dead, proving himself to be the Son of God, called the Old Testament the Word of God. Referred to it as the Word of God. Andy Stanley says we should unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament. He also said this. He said, we don't worship the Bible. We worship Jesus. Okay, that, that's true. We don't worship the Bible. We worship Jesus. But we do raise the Bible up as the authority of God in our faith. Amen? The Bible is the Word of God. But what possesses a pastor to say something like that? We don't... Is he diminishing the Bible in some way? Saying we don't worship... He's, he's taking away from Scripture here. He also said this. He likes these words unhitch and unhook. He, he's got this mental this picture of... He says we need to unhitch... Moral sexual issues from the New Testament. I don't understand that. And then he went on to make affirming comments about the homosexual lifestyle while at the same time being very vague on whether homosexuality is a sin or not. Let me tell you folks, according to God's Word, it is a sin. This is Andy Stanley, the son of Charles Stanley, graduate of Dallas Theological Seminary. He's got a mega church in Atlanta and several satellite mega churches around the country. One, one is even in Richmond. He also said this. He said this while speaking at Dallas Theological Seminary, not just a number of months ago. He said, We need to untether ourselves from the Bible. and give only a focus on the resurrection. We need to untether ourselves from the Bible. This is a man who has thousands of people who follow him. Thousands. And he is setting the stage for his followers to have a shallow faith that will make them vulnerable to false teaching. The Apostle Paul wrote this to Timothy. He said, but understand this, that in the days that there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, Heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, 
lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness. They'll have an appearance of godliness. Andy Stanley has an appearance of godliness. Having an appearance of godliness, but denying its power. And Paul said, avoid such people. Avoid them. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. The risk of a shallow faith is being vulnerable to false teaching. You know, years ago, uh, after Tanya and I were married, our, our first tour in the Marine Corps after we were married was in Iwakuni, Japan. And uh, Iwakuni it was one of, one of our favorite tours. Japan is a wonderful place if you ever get to visit there. But outside the gate of, of the Marine Air Base that, that we were on were these open-air stores. And you could buy all kinds of stuff in, at these stores. You could buy You could buy suits. You could buy jewelry, you could buy hats, jackets, you could buy just about anything you wanted you, you could find at these outside the gate in these open-air little stores. And one day one of my Marines came in and he was pretty proud of himself. He bought himself a pair of tennis shoes. And they were Nike shoes. And he had Sergeant Crowderfield, look at my shoes. And I, I'm like, that's great. He says, no, 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 you don't understand. I only paid seven bucks for these Nike tennis shoes. And I said, where'd you buy them? He said, well, that guy outside the gate. I got them from that guy outside the gate. I said, brother, let me tell you, those are not Nike tennis shoes. Those are knockoffs made in Korea. Another one of my Marines came in after a long weekend and he had a new watch. Nice silver watch. It was thick, thick metal and heavy and it said Rolex on it. He said, Sergeant Crowder, look, I got this watch. It's a Rolex. I said, where'd you buy it? Outside the gate. Brother, that is not a Rolex. That's a knockoff from Korea. There are people, even among us in our own denomination, that are willing to feed us false things. and lead us away from the truth. And we need to have a depth of faith that allows us to identify it when it's happening. Because if we don't, we are vulnerable to false teaching. The first risk of a shallow faith is being vulnerable to false teaching. The second one is this. When our faith is shallow, in times of crisis, whether because of panic or impatience, we are vulnerable to moving away from God and His commandments. In times of crisis, whether because of panic or impatience, we are vulnerable 
to moving away from God and His commandments. Turn to Exodus 32. Exodus 32, Moses is up on the mountain with the Lord. Spending time with the Lord. And he wrote this. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. And as for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. And so Aaron said to them, Take off the gold, or take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. And so all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hands and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. The Lord was aware of this. And so look at his response. Verse 7. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down for your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. Can you imagine? What day would that be like when we're standing before the Lord and He says, you have corrupted yourself. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. You see, we see the shallowness of the faith of the Israelites. We see their shallowness because when Moses was delayed from coming, from, coming down from the mountain, either because of panic or impatience, they turned away from God and made themselves a golden calf. And what's even more alarming is that how quickly they did it. We see their shallowness in the speed in which they turned away from God and His commandments almost no time at all. Either out of panic or impatience, when they thought they were in crisis, they turned away from God. On Wednesday nights, we had been talking about the book of Job. You can turn there if you like. I'm not going to read through it for sake of time, but let me describe it. Chapters 1 and 2, we, we, we see this scene in heaven where God is meeting with the sons of God, His angels, and Satan is there. And God says to Satan, where have you been? And Satan says, I've been on the earth traveling to and fro. And God says, have you considered my servant Job? He's blameless and he's upright. 
And Satan says, well, sure, he's blameless and upright. It's because you bless him all the time. The only reason God or Job is devoted to you and he's loyal to you is because you bless him. And God said, well, you can, he's in your hands. Go down and do what you will. Just spare his life. And so Satan went down and he wiped out Job's family, all of his kids, save his wife. And then Satan took all of his wealth. Can you imagine your family wiped out in one day and your wealth wiped out in one day? What would that be like? But the Bible says, in all of this, Job did not sin by accusing God of wrongdoing. He maintained his integrity of faith. Again, we see in heaven this scene where God is again meeting with His angels and Satan is there and and he turns to Satan and he says, where have you been? He says, I've been on the earth walking to and fro. God says, have you considered my servant Job? He's still blameless. He's still upright. And even though you provoked me against him, his integrity remains. And, and Satan says, well, sure, because he still has his health. You protect his health. And so if you take away his health, God, he'll curse you to your face. God says, all right. You can go down and take his health. Just spare his life. And so Satan goes down and gives Job a severe disease and he's filled with sores and boils from head to toe, so much so that even worms are crawling through the sores. And the Bible says, and in all of this, Job did not sin with his lips. You see, for Job, for Job, God was his God. You see, in the relationship that Job had with God, God retained the prerogatives of God. If you want to understand what the true depth and measure of your faith is, how deep it truly is, ask yourself this question. How much tribulation, crisis, or persecution will come into my life until a point, until a point where either out of panic or impatience, you turn away from God and His commandments. That is the point. That is the exact metric. That is the measure of your depth of faith. I was on the phone the other day with one of my chaplains. I, I maintain a relationship with a lot of the chaplains that I served with over time. And this chaplain was, was sharing with me, he's going through life. And he's facing some hurdles. He's facing some crises. And as we was talking, we got to a point and I said, can I ask you a question? He said, well, sure. And I said, no, I want to ask you a really tough question. He said, well, absolutely. No, this is a very pointed question. This is where we, I want to go deep here. He says, well, sure, go ahead. And I said, how is your relationship with God? And in your relationship with God right now, are you giving God the prerogatives of God? And his voice went silent. There was a long pregnant pause. 
He said, no, Chaplain Crowderfield, if I'm honest, I'm not giving God the prerogatives of God right now. You see, he said he struggles with control. He wants to have control instead of giving it to God. If you want to understand the true depth of your faith, ask yourself the question, how much crisis, how much tribulation, how much trouble can you endure wherein panic or impatience doesn't cause you to turn away from God and His commandments. The second danger, the second risk to a shallow faith is that in times of crisis, either out of panic or impatience, we are vulnerable to turn away from God and His commandments. The third is this. When our faith is shallow, we are vulnerable to spiritual apathy. When our faith is shallow, you still have me? When our faith is shallow, we are vulnerable to spiritual apathy. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5. In the first hour when I was turning over, I was giving this sermon, I turned over to Ephesians 5, I turned to the exact right page on my first attempt. And I shared that I, I, when I was on active duty, I was having a conversation with my, one of my Episcopalian uh, chaplains, and I turned to the Bible, and I turned to the exact same page in one try, and he said, how do you Baptists do that? With pure luck. Look at verse 7, or um, I'm sorry, verse 14. Skip the first half of verse 14. Go right down to the quote. Apostle Paul, he says, Awake, O sleeper. He says, Wake up. Rouse yourself, O sleeper, one who is asleep. Wake up. Why? And rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Why does he tell them to wake up? Because they're being apathetic. They're asleep. You know, I took, I took the time to pop open a thesaurus because I wanted to see what, some other words for apathy, some synonyms for apathy. Let me give you a few. Lethargic. Spiritual lethargy. Disregard, inaction, indifference, listlessness, passiveness, sloth. There's an old word. Sloth. Have you heard that one in a while? I remember a teacher in grade school used that word. You are sloth, Bruce Crowderfield, in doing your homework. What is the context, though, that Paul is speaking of here? I mean, Jay, we got to know the context, right? 
He says, wake up. You're asleep. Wake up. Rouse yourself. But why is he telling us this? What's the context? Go back to Ephesians 5. Pick up your reading. Verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Verse 3, but. Here's the flip side. But. Sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness nor foolish talk nor crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, or is covetous, that is, idolatry, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were, you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of these things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For everything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, wake up! Why are the Ephesians vulnerable to these influences of the world, these influences of darkness? Jay, what is the context that Paul is talking about here? The context can be boiled down to one word. Disobedience. Why are they vulnerable to these influences of darkness? Because they're asleep. And Paul says, wake up. As I was studying last week, took a little break and Went to the Fox News page to catch up on the news. There was a story there about a woman in Australia who woke up from her sleep one morning and as she opened her eyes, a six foot long eastern brown snake was staring at her in the face. You see, the Australian eastern brown snake is the most venomous and deadly snake in Australia. It had slipped into her house and gotten into her bed, and when she opened her eyes, there it was. You see, she didn't realize the danger she was in. She didn't realize she didn't realize how close to death she really was. Because when that snake slipped in, she was asleep. Paul says, wake up. Because if you're sleeping, if you're apathetic, you're in danger. 
And so what instruction does Paul give us? How are we supposed to wake up? He doesn't leave us wanting. He doesn't leave us wondering how. Pick up your reading, verse 15. He says, look carefully then on how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of your time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wake up! You know, that one instruction there, be filled with the Holy Spirit, it, it's impactful for me right now. Because on Wednesday nights, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about how as a church and as a denomination, as conservative evangelicals, in many ways, we've been ignoring the Holy Spirit. And you say, well, why are we doing that? I said, out of fear. We're ignoring the Holy Spirit out of fear. Fear of what? Fear of being like them. The them being the Charismatics and the Pentecostals. You see, we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater. We've thrown the Spirit out. The fear of being like them. We're doing something right. We're clinging to Jesus, but we're looking to Jesus for the things we need to be looking to the Holy Spirit for. We're clinging to Jesus at the expense of ignoring the Holy Spirit. If you feel apathetic, if you feel spiritually lethargic, let me ask you to consider this. Answer this question. What is your relationship like with the Holy Spirit? Paul says to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus, in preparing the apostles for His departure, told them in John 16, it is a benefit that I leave, because if I don't leave, the Holy Spirit won't come. But if I do leave, if I do leave, I will send the Holy Spirit to you who will be a helper for you. We need to cling to Jesus without ignoring the Holy Spirit. And I think because we are, so many of us are, we are experiencing, we are experiencing spiritual shallowness, spiritual lethargy. The other day, Tanya and I were, I forget where we were going, but we got in her car and Nadina was on E, was on empty. So I had to take a detour and fill up her car. And I don't know about you, but when, when I go and I fill up her car or I fill up my truck, I, I, 
I don't know what it's like for you guys, but when I get back into the car and I turn it on and the needle goes up the full, you know, F, I get this certain sense of satisfaction. I'm like, yes, I got a full tank. Right? I can go a long way. You get in there and you see it, you see the needle go up, F, full. But what would it be like? What would it be if you get, what would it be like if you went to the gas station and you put the pump and you filled up the tank and you got in your car and you turned it on, but the needle is stuck on E? You think, you know, I think some of us are coming to church. It's like going to the gas station. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to fill up the tank, but you walk out the door and the needle is on E because we're ignoring the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of power. Spirit of life. But we're ignoring Him. The Apostle Paul, in speaking to Corinth about their spiritual immaturity, their spiritual apathy, their spiritual lethargy, he wrote this. He said, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ is in you? Do you not realize that Christ is in you? Unless, unless of course, you fail the test. Don't deceive yourselves. Get honest with yourselves. Get honest with yourselves about your spirituality, the depth of your spirituality. Get honest with yourselves about your relationship with God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening to the Marian Message presented by the Mosaic of Marian podcast. If you would like to know more, you can reach us on our Facebook page or on our website, www.marianbcba.com.